0: Welcome to Just for Keeps, the podcast all about goalkeepers. Hello, Hello. everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Just for Keeps, the podcast all about goalkeepers. I'm your host, Carter Hawkman, and joining me this week is current Detroit Red Wings goaltender, Kevin Boyle. Thanks for talking to me, Kevin.
1: Of course, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so the first question I ask everyone on the podcast is, where did it all start for you? When did you, what made
1: you want to become a goalie? uh my the so my brother uh growing up he's five years older than I am um he was the the biggest reason that I got into being a goalie because he was a goalie himself so pretty much like like growing up ever since I was like two years old he'd like have his friends over and he'd like even before I could like walk I was just crawling around and he'd just throw me into the net in the basement and start shooting balls on me and stuff like that so and then growing up like he played played goalie his whole uh his whole life up until college so i grew up watching him and i pretty much just wanted to be like him so i just tried to follow in his footsteps that's how i got started
0: yeah crawling around in the basement having your older brother shoot pucks at you it's every parent's dream isn't it (laughs) yeah he definitely got in trouble with my mom a few times (laughs) What would you say I mean is the is the hardest part about getting started as a goalie because I mean especially in hockey you know the equipment can be expensive there's there's not a lot of I mean you have to find a rink and ice time and all that stuff what are the biggest challenges about getting started it's such a unique position
1: Um yeah I mean it's definitely uh an expensive thing I I mean I got lucky just obviously cuz he was older than me so I got a bunch of his hand-me-downs um but obviously you know like growing up like you always want to be the kid, like, scoring goals and everything like that. And uh, pretty much my dad realized that I was going to be good at goalie at a pretty young age, and he kind of just stuck me in it. And as much as I wanted to to go out and play forward and score some goals, he, he kind of not really forced me but but made me play goalie um, instead. And I ended up just, just falling in love with it, so I guess it all worked out. Were your parents big into hockey growing up? Uh, not, not really. My dad played baseball, um, growing up his, in his life. And then my mom, uh, she played like a little bit of tennis, so they didn't really know too much about hockey, but, um, obviously having my brother there, they learned a bunch, um, through that. And, um, that helped me out a lot because they already, uh, had been through all the things that I had to go through.
0: Yeah. That older sibling to younger sibling, it really does help. I know it helped with my with with me getting into college and everything, my sister that she was the guinea pig, and they're with me. They're like, "Oh, we know how to do this now."
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So you you grew up in Manalapan, New Jersey. Any hockey fan knows about the legendary career of
1: Marty Brodeur with the Devils. But was there a big hockey culture where you grew up? No, not at all. Um, I mean, on, honestly, I would say until up until about maybe ten years ago, hockey was relatively irrelevant um in new jersey there wasn't very many teams like we had to drive at least an hour to go practice and 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 play games and stuff like that so it wasn't a huge hockey culture but um obviously like in the 90s the devils were one of the best teams in the nhl winning the stanley cup in in 95 and and making it in 90 or almost making it in 94 losing to the rangers so we um my parents, like, would always bring my brother and my sister to, to games uh, to watch the Devils. So, I, I watched the Devils religiously growing up. So, that's that's definitely a huge part of how I got so into it. Did you learn a little bit from watching Marty Birder Um I did a little bit, yeah. I was honestly I was more of a a Patrick Waugh fan. My brother was the big Marty Brodor fan, but I I was a, a huge Patrick Waugh fan growing up and that's that's the whole reason why I've worn 33 my whole life. So um yeah, it's I mean, obviously Marty Brodor's had the best career out of any goal in the NHL, so it's hard not to to look at him and and watch him, but you definitely learn uh learn different things from him and and watching different goalies around the NHL
0: it's funny you mentioned the number 33 I think that's one of the things you and I actually bonded over when we first met was 33 was our favorite number for sort of similar reasons I mean I of course as a goalie myself I mean obviously a different sport admired Patrick Waugh but 33 is such a significance to me in, in in Boston sports because every every boston sports icon of uh, uh that i looked up to wore number 33 you got char who's now at the capitals obviously um jason Veritek, larry bird uh kevin falk with the patriots so it's uh, right. it's funny that that you and i had that had that uh, unique uh numerical bond
1: yeah definitely <laughs> uh
0: was so Growing up, you know, you're starting to play hockey at a young age obviously. Was there a moment for you where you knew you were going to start taking it seriously? I mean, I know for me, and I mentioned it in the very first episode of this podcast, I decided to focus on soccer when I finally realized that I I just wasn't going to make it any further in baseball and I still had room to grow in soccer.
1: Um yeah, there there's a few moments. Um so I played I played pretty much every sport. I didn't play soccer, but I was I played basketball, I played a bunch of different sports and pretty much when I got to around 12 13 years old um, I was working with a, a goalie coach who's actually and he ended up marrying my sister he's my brother-in-law now um, but a funny thing that a story that he likes to tell all the time is when I was right around that age he went up to my parents and like looked them in the eye and he was like your son is going to play division one ice hockey, like a hundred percent. And my parents, obviously they didn't believe him because I was still young and had a long ways to go. But he said that. And I, I remember exactly like when it happened and everything like that. And in my mind, I kind of was like, okay, like maybe there is something here. And at that point, my dad actually like looked at me and he was like, Hey, if you want to take this hockey thing seriously, like you need to focus on that and stop playing these other sports. And, I I think like I thought that I was I was good at hockey and I thought that maybe I could do something with it so I just obviously I took that and I ran with it. It's interesting
0: that you mentioned coaching because I feel like hockey for hockey training for goaltenders especially really doesn't get talked about a whole lot. What is that process like growing up especially at such a young age?
1: Yeah, it's uh I, like I said my my goalie coach growing up uh who's my brother-in-law now. He he was working with my brother before me. But pretty much right when, at the moment that I started, I started working with him. Um, and I worked with him since pretty much the the moment that I, I stepped on the ice up until, I mean, I still work with him to this day when I go home and, and visit home. So he definitely helped me out a lot, but there is a lot of training. Obviously when you're younger, you do, you, you skate more, um, you do a lot more on the ice as opposed to to the off ice stuff because you don't really need that as much when you're younger, but, uh, it definitely changes as you get older, you start focusing on different, uh, different aspects and focusing on uh, a certain parts of your game that you can, can, uh, develop a little bit further.
0: What's the importance of, of really getting that, that one-on-one training at, at, at a younger age?
1: Um, I think the one-on-one training, I think is more important as you get a little bit older, say into, into high school. I think, uh, growing up, I think the, the group work growing up is even more important because, and not necessarily a big group, but say, say like two, three, four goalies out there with you. Um, maybe some of them are a little bit older so that you have, those other people that that you can learn from also so you're not even just learning from the coach in that time that you have with him but you're also learning from watching these other people and picking up on different things that uh that they might do better than you and you can start start developing that part what do you think a lot of youth coaches miss
0: about coaching younger goaltenders what do you think they get they get wrong or they leave out
1: um i think uh now I think nowadays it's, it's really important, especially when you're young, you have to focus on keeping the kids having fun. Cause it, I mean, that's the biggest part. You're playing a sport. You're supposed to have fun with it. So you have to make it fun in every way possible. Keep the kids engaged. Cause obviously, you know, younger kids, they have uh, the attention span of not, of not very much. So Um, you always have to keep it fun and keep them engaged with everything. But I think that's the biggest thing growing up is just having fun with the game, you know, really immersing yourself in it and, and learning from it every day. You mentioned um, that moment where your coach went
0: up to your parents and were like, this kid's going to play D1 hockey. What was the moment that you decided that you knew you wanted to, and were ready to take the next step and play that next level of competitive
1: hockey? You know what? I honestly, like Going even through all that process, I never really thought in my mind that it would translate to to what it did. I kind of was just going out and and playing every day and just really just enjoying myself because it was a sport that I loved and I just went out and I just enjoyed doing it and I never really thought about where it could take me or where it would take me. And obviously, I was fortunate enough that that it did take me somewhere, and I'm really grateful for that. But I really just focused on you know just having fun and and playing the sport that I loved. Really,
0: it's interesting that you say that, just because it, it reminds me of me back in high school a little bit. Because if you know anyone who's listened to the podcast knows that I was taking baseball a lot more seriously than I was taking soccer. And soccer, I was just sort of naturally developing. And there was that point where for me, where I realized that a, I had hit a wall with baseball, and I really wasn't you know I wasn't where I thought I was, and I wasn't where I was gonna, I wasn't where I, where I wanted to go and soccer had just progressed for me and I was taking it day by day. And all of a sudden I'm competing as hard as I can. And I'm just getting and my mom likes to say it was, it was leaps and bounds. <laughs> um, and, you know, you don't, you don't notice it until all of a sudden you're, you're up there competing with the best.
1: Yeah, no, definitely.
0: So talk to me a little about that decision with that next step and that next level of hockey for you. Talk to me about your decision to not play high school hockey.
1: Um. I mean that decision was pretty easy for me just because uh my high school didn't have a high school hockey team until I believe they got their team when I was a junior in high school and at that point I had already been playing uh junior hockey um so that it relatively came pretty simple and my high school team was not very good so um and at that point, I was playing junior hockey, and I knew that like when you're playing junior hockey, you obviously have a chance to go to that next level because that's that's the next step um and I knew that that was with the the guidance of of coaches around me and people around me, I knew that that was the the right choice to get me to that next level um and i had i like when they got a team in high school i had um like the coaches from the team asking me to play on that team. But I obviously I couldn't because I couldn't do the, the rule on my junior team was that we couldn't play high school hockey too. So I had to say no, um, but I definitely, I had those days. There was, I specifically remember one day and I was in accounting class and the assistant coach for the hockey team was, was uh substitute teaching. And he is like roll calling names for the class and he calls out my name. I'm like, Yeah, I'm here and he goes, Are you the kid that has the the scholarship to go play Division One? I? I said, Yeah and he goes, Okay, let me we're gonna go talk after after I'm done with this And he brings me outside of the classroom and he's like, What do I have to do to get you to play on this team? And I looked at him and I was like, Honestly, like it's a rule we can't do that. So I don't really have, have much to say. Like I just I can't I can't make it work. So Wow. Um, it's it's actually
0: interesting, the, the, the juxtaposition in high school for soccer. Um, if you play academy, you can't play high school, at least in the state of Massachusetts. I know that. Um, right. So there's that sort of similarity there. Well, after, you know, your next step included a brief stop at, at the Tri-City Rock as the USHL, the United States Hockey League, and then west side of the British Columbia Hockey League. Would you say there's a difference in emphasis in goaltending in the U.S. versus Canada?
1: Sorry, say that again.
0: Would you say there's a difference in emphasis in goaltending in the U.S. versus Canada? Um,
1: I don't know if I would say there's really a difference in emphasis. Um, obviously, you know, the hockey culture in Canada is way bigger than it is in the United States. Um, so everything's a little bit more max maximized out there. Um, but yeah. I mean, I, I got drafted to the USHL. I went out there for a weekend and played when I was, I was pretty young. I think I was 14, 15 years old at that time, which is young for a kid to be playing in that league. Cause you're playing against 20 year olds. Um, so I went out and played and I could have went out there and, and stayed in the U S the year after that. But I was, I had a scholarship to, to go play at Amherst and um, their coaches were really tight with the coaching staff that I ended up playing for out in British Columbia. And it kind of just made sense. They pretty much told me, hey, go out there, live on your own for a year, do some maturing, and then come in the next year and and play for us here in, in college.
0: Before we get to UMass Amherst, I want to talk about your recruiting process because goaltending recruiting is, is, is definitely different than, than those who skate out. And what was, and to add to that, what specifically is unique about recruitment for goaltenders?
1: Yeah. In all honesty, my recruitment process was relatively fast. I was, I ended up uh, committing when I was, I think I was 15 when I did, I was either 15 or 16. And um, I was still playing in New Jersey and I had a, a couple like, a couple different colleges emailed me and stuff like that. I went on a visit to Quinnipiac originally with some other guys on our team. And then um, I had some other like Yale emailed me and I was supposed to go on a visit to New Hampshire, but I went on a visit to Amherst the week before and I got there and I pretty much just fell in love with the campus and, and the facilities and the coaching staff that they had there. And we got home from that weekend and on Monday they called me um, and they offered me a full scholarship to go there. And I was supposed to go on a visit to New Hampshire UNH um, on that Friday. And we got the call on Monday and I answered the phone. And they were like, Hey, we're offering you full ride to come play hockey here. And I looked at my mom and I was like, that's what I want to do. And obviously she, my parents lit up they didn't have to pay for college or anything like that, so um it pretty much it happened in kind of the blink of an eye it was it, my recruitment process it probably lasted all of maybe like a month and it was over at that point
0: Oh, that's 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 pretty amazing, and you know the plus side for your parents is yeah, they didn't have to pay for college whatsoever <laughs> I know it's funny my my sister was um looking at colleges. My sister is two and a half years older than me. She was a senior in high school when I was a freshman in high school. She was touring uh Hofstra university and, and they, she was all about academics and she, they offered her a full ride as well. But my sister, I remember when we toured, she hated, she hated, hated, hated the school, hated the campus and just couldn't go there. And I don't think my mom will ever forgive her for <laughs> that. It, happens. Um, it does happen. Um, but You had a college career that began pretty normally, um, but it ended about as good as you could ask for. I want to start with your first two years at, at Amherst. Uh, in 41 games, you went 16, 17, and 6. Pretty even, nothing spectacular, but nothing bad. But talk to me about what happens next.
1: Yeah, so uh, I, I was recruited there by the coaching staff, um, and they, they were there my freshman year. Um, so I got to play under them. And everything like that and then after my freshman year um that whole coaching staff ended up leaving and they brought in a new coaching staff and that the the coach that they brought in pretty much just wanted to bring in all of his own guys which it happens sometimes in in college sports it's kind of a thing that that's that sucks sometimes but um still ended up playing a good amount my sophomore year but after that year was over i we're going in for end of the year meetings and I was just expecting it to be a normal meeting. And the coach looks at me and he says, Hey, like, I'm not, we don't want you back next year. You have to leave. And I, I'm on a full ride. So like, technically you can't just cut me. Um, I like, you still have to honor the scholarship. So we ended up, we ended up uh, battling for the scholarship and we were grant, I was granted my, the full scholarship for the four years, if I wanted to just stay at Amherst and go to school, um, I could have just went to school, been a normal kid for, for free. Um, but obviously at that point I, I didn't want to step away from the game and I still felt that I had something to give to the game. Um, and that was, I mean, that was a tough decision. It took me, took me a good month, month and a half to really, to really decide that. Um, but luckily luckily enough, after I did decide that, um the the coach at, at Lowell, Norm, um, he called me and brought me in for a visit the next week and said after that, hey, we want to bring you in. We think it'd be a good fit. And that's that's uh the rest is history really. It was uh, honestly the best thing. It ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me. Going from one of the worst thing that ever happened to me. Turning it into literally the best thing that ever happened to me, so it it all worked out. Was there something that
0: attracted you to Lowell in particular? I mean, I can't speak for myself because I knew I wasn't going to transfer. Um, I and but I never would have transferred to the epitome of a rival like UMass Amherst. You know, mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah, it was honestly it was the coaching staff and the culture that they had there. Um, they brought me in, had me meet the team and everything like that. But really, it was everything that the coaching staff said to me really resonated in me. And they like, nothing was given. They said, Hey, like, you're going to have to come in. You're going to have to fight. They had um, Connor Hellbuck there at the time. And he was only when I transferred there, that was going into his sophomore year. So he still had three more years, which would have been my three years. He ended up leaving after his sophomore year, but nothing was going to be handed to me. Um, and sometimes that's exactly what you want because it, it makes you turn into the best version of yourself. And that's exactly what happened.
0: I I couldn't agree more. I mean, I talk, I talk about it all the time and and I, you're going to, you guys, if you're listening, you're going to have a drinking game with every time I say I talked about it in a past, past podcast, yeah. but I talk like I I talk about it in a past podcast. In my first episode, I went, into every meeting every bi-weekly meeting with the coaching staff at at lowell thinking i was going to get cut Mm -hmm. and the next training session i was trying to train as hard as i could so that wouldn't happen and it made me into the best not not only best version of myself as a goalkeeper but the best version of myself as a teammate
1: exactly yeah I, i mean the competition when something is not handed to you and you have to really work for it that competition drives you to be the best version of yourself and I think that's one of the biggest reasons why I am where I am today you you pointed it
0: out already um I'm just gonna throw some numbers at you uh in 2015-2016 24 wins 10 losses 1.3 1.83 goals against average seven shutouts hockey's goaltender of the year hockey's co-player of the year alongside current Vancouver Canucks goaltender Thatcher Demko and you broke the former lightning goaltender Dwayne Rollison's school record of 2,342 minutes played with 2,364. What was that year like for you and how did that help propel you to the next step in your career?
1: Um, yeah, I, I mean, that, that was the best year of hockey that I've ever played. Um, 100%. Um, I really, I I stayed there. I had my junior year. I played okay my junior year, but not great. And I stayed in Lowell that summer, really put a lot of work in off the ice to get in the best shape possible so that I was prepared to come in. And pretty much from the get-go, um, Norm, our head coach, he told me, he's like, hey, this is like this is your spot. This is your time to shine. And I kind of took that and I kind of ran with it. And I knew from from the first game we played uh, I think we played RPI and we beat them three nothing. I think I had a shutout in the first game of the season. And I was like, you know what? And we had a, we had a hell of a team too. And I was like, I looked at this, I looked at this and I was like, this is going to be a special year. And it turned out to be literally probably the best year of my life. I ended up obviously had played great on the ice, made, the best friends that I could have ever hoped for friendships that'll last me a lifetime. I met my wife now. It was, I mean, looking back on it, it's a hundred percent, the best year of my life. And all those numbers, they obviously they, they came about, but I never really focused on anything of that. I just, I really wanted to just enjoy that whole year, enjoy the time with, with uh, with my teammates Um, enjoy the moments with with my family with my wife and it looking back on it I mean it's just it was honestly incredible
0: it was incredible to watch that year was my it was my freshman year at Lowell Um, and not only was it my you know my first experience with you know my first real experience with college hockey it kind of symbolized the culture at Lowell it almost created a new culture within the athletics department and, and we wanted to mirror the success that you guys had that year right yeah and we you know not to toot my own horn a little bit but the following year we did finish as a soccer program third in the oh, country yeah. so I'm not gonna say we did I know it. we did mirror you oh, guys, yeah. but I was following along um you can look it up it's fine. <laughs> it happened um following you know following your career the NHL draft comes and then it goes you remain undrafted but soon after you sign an entry-level contract with the Anaheim Ducks What was that like for you? Yeah.
1: So, so the NHL draft actually happens, um, like pretty much as you graduate high school. Um, so that happened before that I was, I think I was 18. I was on the radar for the NHL draft, but ended up not being drafted, which honestly was kind of a blessing in disguise because, um, then after my college career, you could just sign as a free agent with pretty much whoever you wanted. Um, but so after my my the year ended, we were we lost. We ended up losing to Quinnipiac in the, uh, I think it was the Elite Eight, the game to go to the Frozen Four. We ended up losing, and I'm sitting. Obviously, my college career literally just ended. Trying to sit in the the locker room and just kind of enjoy the last moments with the boys in the locker room and everything like that. And Norm comes in, pulls me aside outside. Not on. Not even. I'm still half dressed at this point, probably five minutes after the game ended, he pulls me aside and he says, Hey, I know this sucks and everything like that, but when we get back to Lowell, you're going like you're going out to dinner tomorrow night with with a couple guys from Anaheim Ducks. And I was like, Come on, like my season just ended. Like, don't joke with me. He's like, No, I'm serious. So we get back and they bring me out to dinner the next night and it kinda just I like the guy who brought me out to dinner was Dwayne Rolison. He was a legend at Lowell. And obviously a leg- I know a, a I know legend in the <laughs> NHL. So and he brought me out to dinner with another another guy in management and um they they pretty much just said everything that, that I wanted to hear and probably about maybe four or five days later I ended up signing the contract and I was on a flight to, to San Diego <laughs> without even without even graduating. I was still in college at that point. That's very different from how my senior night ended. <laughs> uh,
0: it was very cold in New Hampshire and an hour-long bus ride home. Dwayne Rolison was not <laughs> waiting for me with a freezer. <laughs> um, yeah, that's not how that ended for me. But you're out in San Diego now. Um, well, not as we speak, but you're out in San Diego at this point. Everyone talks about the speed of play being the first thing they notice um, about being able to compete at the next level. But aside from that, what were the most difficult parts for you?
1: Um, I think the most difficult parts is that you know in college, you pretty much everything is is very structured and you have a whole plan of every day, what it's going to look like, whether you go to practice and you go to class and everything is very structured and laid out for you. Whereas when you get to professional hockey, it's pretty much you go to the rink and then you go home and you have the whole rest of the day to do whatever you want. So there's a lot of downtime and you have to really know and learn how to maximize your time to make sure that every day you go into the rink you're going to be the best best like player you possibly can be. And that's tough, like especially when you're I was lucky cuz I was a little bit older at that point, but for young kids like that's tough to do because you know sometimes they've never really had to do that. They never had to really live on their own. They've never had to go get groceries or like pay for an apartment or anything like that. And it's, it's stuff you have to learn. It's a little bit of a growing uh, process, but it comes with time.
0: Circling around the goaltending aspect about it. What would you say are the most difficult parts about taking that next step?
1: Um, honestly, I think when you get to, to professional hockey as a goaltender, I think the biggest thing is the mental aspect of it. And I've learned that throughout my four or five years now, because, every single goalie that gets signed to a contract plays professional hockey, they all have the intangibles. They all have the the technical work. They all can stop a puck. It's just the, the noise between your ears. It's just whether you can really control that. And because if you can't control that, you're not going to be the best version of yourself. So if you can control that and can be mentally strong and make sure that you are the best version of yourself. I think that is what ultimately sets aside the great goalies from the ones who are just going to be average professionals.
0: It's true. I mean, I think I, I could arguably say that eighty percent of goaltending and goalkeeping is
1: is in your own head. I would I would even argue that probably even a little bit more. I'd say it's almost eighty five to ninety. I was going to say
0: 90, but at first it seemed like too much. <laughs> uh,
1: well, you spent
0: your first 16 games in the ECHL before being promoted to the San Diego goals in the AHL for a little over a year. Then, February 9th, 2019, you were recalled from San Diego because both Ryan Miller and Jod Gibson were injured, and you were expected to back up Chad Johnson. Just talk me through that mental process, and are you expecting to play at this point whatsoever?
1: Uh quick answer no <laughs> i was not <laughs> um so i got recalled i was i was in san diego and they called me they were they were in philadelphia at the time so i had to pack up hop on a flight um to philadelphia the day before that game and then, i mean it ended up it working out pretty nice because my family only i grew up about a little over an hour away from philadelphia So when I got in there, I checked into the hotel, my, my parents, um, my brother and his wife, and they came, they came and met me at the hotel and they brought me out to dinner that night. So I got to see them hang out with them. And that kind of, that kind of made me, it kind of calmed me down a little bit. Um, which helped me the, the next day, but I mean, going into the next night, obviously I was, I was backing up. So I wasn't expecting to play or anything like that. Um, which, I think that also helped me with my debut because I wasn't really expecting anything. So when I got into the game, I kind of just played hockey and didn't really think about anything, but yeah, I mean the first period went by and we were down for nothing, like maybe 10 minutes into the game and we come into the locker room after the first intermission and the assistant coach comes up to me and goes, Hey, you're going in. And at that point, like I looked at, him, I was like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no way. And I like obviously intermissions aren't that long. They're fifteen, twenty minutes. So I didn't really have much of a chance to to really gather myself, but it ended up working out because like I said, I didn't I didn't really think of anything. I just went in, I just enjoyed the moment. It's something that you dream of. Um so I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna go out and have fun with it. And I got in there, I was nervous as all hell but the first shot that I ended up seeing was like a, a flip shot from center ice. I made the save. I covered it up. The ref comes over to me and grabs it. He's like, and he looks at me and he goes, Hey, welcome to the NHL. And I just start, <laughs> I just started cracking up and it kind of just, just went on from there.
0: It's funny. Not a lot of people really get a, a literal, Hey, welcome to the NHL. Yeah. And, but in, you kind of mentioned it, but I was gonna ask if you really had a moment to to savor it, but you kind of you were just thrown into it.
1: I was, yeah. I I really was just was thrown into it, and I like I said, I think that helped me out a lot because sometimes I have a tendency of overthinking things. Whereas in that moment, as goaltender, yeah, do. in that moment, I didn't have a chance to overthink anything because I just got thrown into it. So I just went out and I was like, you know what? I'm going to have fun with this. I'm just going to enjoy it. We were already down four, nothing at the point. So I was like, even if I let in another four, who really cares? And I just went in and I tried my best and ended up playing pretty well. What was
0: it like after that game for you, both mentally and physically?
1: Um, it was, it was really cool. I, I didn't really have a chance to to gather myself after I got to see, Actually, a lot like my parents, my brother, his wife, they came to the game. My grandma and grandpa ended up coming to the game because they lived in New Jersey. My aunt and uncle came to the game just because this was the first time I was shooting up in the NHL where they could come watch. So they didn't want to miss it. And it ended up working out that I ended up got it. I got to play. So pretty much after the game was over, I did a couple interviews just cause it was my first game and I got to see them and, and really cherish the moment with them, which was really cool.
0: Four days later, February 13th, 2019, you get your first national hockey league start against the Vancouver Canucks. When were you told that you were going to start that game?
1: <laughs> so this is actually kind of a crazy story. I've told it a couple of times, but I haven't told it to many people, but so I was, I, me, me and my wife were out in uh, in the hotel, we were there and, and we had practice that day and my wife was pregnant at the time. Um, and we were at practice the day before that game finished up practice. And I come back, I look at my phone. I had like four missed calls, a bunch of texts from my wife and she was in the hospital while I was at practice. Um, I didn't know what was going on. So I, I, pretty much just rushed out of the rink. I told them, I was like, Hey, my wife's in the hospital. I got to get out of here. So I didn't have a chance to like be told anything. Um, So I was in the hospital with my wife at the time. She ended up having a, uh, um, what do you call it? We, we ended up losing the child that, (laughs) that day we found out. Um, And I got a call. I was in the hospital. I got a call from our assistant coach. And he was like, Hey, is everything okay? I told him what was going on. And he looked at me and he said, like, I'm like, obviously that sucks, but you're playing tomorrow. <laughs> like you're starting tomorrow. Um, wow. Yeah. So it, it's kind of a crazy story, but it, it was, it, it was a tough time, but it ended up being a blessing in disguise because we were going through that tough time and me playing, My first NHL start and having that game, it ended up being a little break from the reality of what was going on. And we could really kind of immerse ourselves in that moment of playing and fulfilling my childhood dreams instead of focusing on the bad things that were going on.
0: Well, you, you kind of mentioned it a little bit. It's the dream scenario in your first NHL start. You pitch a 35 save shutout for a one-nothing win in your first NHL start. And not only that, you get to do it with guys like Ryan Getzloff and Corey Perry. Mm-hmm. Can you just walk me through everything that was going through your mind from the start of that game to the end?
1: Like at what point were you aware, "Holy crap, they still have it." <laughs> um, I think it was about about 6 minutes left in the game. I looked up and I think I probably had like 28 saves at that point, and I was playing pretty well. And I looked up; we were up one nothing at the time. I was like, "Holy crap! I might have a chance to actually do this thing." Um, and it kind of hit me then, but I didn't really think too much about it. It really, it really hit me after the game was over, and I was like, "Like that? Did that actually happen?" Because, like I said, it, it's something that you're playing hockey in your backyard or, or out in the cul-de-sac, like, it's something that you, like, you dream about and you're like, like you play, play out that scenario while you're out there growing up. And when it actually like comes true and comes to fruition, it's, it's something that like, it, it's honestly, it's it's an indescribable feeling that you just like, uh, it's re- like even to this day, it's it's still hard to describe that 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 is how it played out. It's, it's honestly pretty cool. It's
0: cool to it's cool to to say to myself, "Hey, I know him." <laughs> um, but what what do you think has been the most gratifying gratifying thing about your journey as a goaltender so far?
1: Um, I think the most gratifying thing has been me kind of getting in tune with with my body and my mind um especially since i've turned pro i've kind of you know growing up like you don't really think about all that stuff you're just going out playing hockey playing a sport and having fun with it whereas now i'm like you start thinking about other things it's it's kind of a job now it's it's how you put food on the table i have a wife and a kid so you want to support them but um really how i've i've really come in tune with what i need to do every single day to get myself ready for that next day um is kind of the coolest thing that i've really noticed and it's it's taken a lot of time and a lot of work and a lot of bad moments but i think that's honestly the coolest thing is seeing the the progression of of where i was when i started as a kid young kid naive to where i am now is is probably the coolest thing to look back on
0: well your journey your journey certainly isn't over because october 9th of 2020 you signed as a free agent to play for the detroit red wings and actually we were supposed to record yesterday but you shot me a text and saying hey i got called up by the way i can't do <laughs> i can't i can't i can't talk to you tonight but maybe we can do it another time right. but what's 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 next
1: for you in detroit you know what? I, honestly, I don't know. Um, this this whole year's been been crazy. Obviously, last year with the season getting canceled and me going into being an unrestricted free agent for the first time and really having my pick at where I wanted to go. Um I I don't know where where things are going to go from here, but I'm I'm really excited to find out and I'm going to go in, I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can to to try and make it the best possible scenario for me whether it's whether I end up playing in the AHL for a couple years longer whether I end up making it to the NHL I'm I'm honestly not sure there's so many things that go into it but I'm really really excited to to be here and to be in a new position and have a chance to to kind of kind of make a more of a name for myself outside of of the Anaheim organization
0: Kevin, it's always great to talk to you. And and honestly, as you know, I wish you nothing but continued success. Thanks, buddy.
1: Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. This has been a blast. I'd love to do it again. I'd love to have you back (laughs) on. Anytime.
0: Uh, Guys, guys, this has been another episode of Just for Keeps, the podcast all about goalkeepers. I'm your host, Carter Hawkman. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Just For Keeps.